Hi guys, uh, Pastor Greg Corcoran here from Battlefield Baptist Church. Uh, pray that this sermon is a blessing, an encouragement, and a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord. Additionally, I just wanted to say that if we here at Battlefield can ever be a blessing to you, please don't hesitate to contact us. And the best way to do that is through our website at battlefieldbaptist.org. Again, I pray this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with his word, and more in love with people. Thank you so much, choir, everybody, the praise team. Thank you so much for being here this morning, and uh, I am so excited. Uh, we Really, this started a few months ago, and um, really, we've thought about this in the past. It just never has worked out, but uh, uh, I literally sent a... Uh, an actual request letter to uh, the church where Sam is working now and serving, been serving, uh, really been 10 years. Uh, time flies when you're having fun, right, Sam? <laughs> and so uh, it, it, is, uh, it is awesome to be able to have Sam come. For those, as Travis was saying, Sam is a Battlefield Baptist Church uh, uh, product of this ministry, and he's been down in Chesterfield, Virginia. We used to partner with... Uh, Sam and Heritage Baptist Church down in Chesterfield for many years. Some that are older know that we uh, partnered with them with our kids camp for many, many years. And, uh, but uh, very excited about how Sam has just been faithful. Been faithful to the Lord, faithful to serve. And I'm thankful that uh, his dear wife, where's, uh, oh, she stepped out. She stepped out. Haley's here and uh, Carson and Claire, Claire Bear, they're here as well. But uh, Listen, I want to encourage you. Thank you, first of all, for being here. If you're a first-time guest or returning guest, you've honored us with your presence. Uh, listen, we just finished a series on Psalm 23, looking at all the wonderful things the shepherd does for us. And last week, we had the opportunity to look at the great I Am. Next Sunday, Lord willing, next Sunday, I'm going to begin a new series entitled Faith for Today. Faith for today, not for yesterday, not for tomorrow, but faith for today, and we'll begin that, and that'll be kind of walking through Hebrews chapter 11. We'll begin that, Lord willing, next uh, week, and uh, really, you say, is there some goals with that? Absolutely. We'll be sharing those with you uh, as we get together next week, but right now, I ask you to draw your attention to the Word of God, and uh, would you do me a favor and welcome Sam Elliott. Uh, I told him I was going to call him the Bishop, uh, <laughs> Bishop S.D. Elliott. Uh, Thank you, Pastor Greg. Uh, wow. The only thing I can say about this right now is awesome. I'm, th I'm thankful to be here. It's already been better than my first time preaching at Heritage because I had, we have steps just like this in our old sanctuary. And when I went up to, uh, to the stage, I tripped before I got to the first step. And I mean, I went down, okay? And one of the ladies that was singing this special, she was coming off the stage, and she bent down, and she said, are you okay? And I was like, do I have to get up? <laughs> and I did, and I can't even tell you what the message was about anymore, but I remember tripping, so it's already doing better than that, right? Man, I am so glad to be here today. I'm so glad to be here at Battlefield, and I can't think of coming to this church without thinking of uh, the days gone by. Uh, today's message is God's presence in the present, but before we talk about that, I want to talk a little bit about the past. This church has been a catalyst for me in my life. God has used this church in so many ways, and if you can already tell, man, it's hard to talk about. 
You know, uh, we, were, we were driving up here, coming down 29 this morning, and uh, told my wife, I was like, you know what, I'm not that nervous going in here today. And we pull in the parking lot, and I'm like, okay, maybe a little bit. And then we sit in class with uh, Gordon, and I'm like, okay, it's starting to hit me now. But it was more just seeing the faces of the faithful that are still attending here, and the, so many new faces, which is amazing, and a testament to what God has been doing here. It's almost like homecoming uh, today. And so many great memories of family and friends in this place. And I'm not going to look at them because I know they're over here. And I can't look at them because I know I'll cry. But uh, I know Tracy and Chris are over here. I can't think of Battlefield without Tracy's parents, Fred and Francis, and how faithful they were. Uh, just a godly couple. Uh, my parents bringing me to church, sometimes dragging me to church, but bringing me nonetheless. Uh, their faithfulness. Pastor Greg. He's a constant encourager to our family. You have a good pastor. Uh, not only for giving me this opportunity today, but uh, just constantly the text messages, the, when he comes down for meetings, just the constant encouragement that he offers, not just to me, to my fam- but to my family. He'll stop by and see us. And, uh, you know, thank you. Uh, yeah. Think of... Uh, you know, you know him as a shredder of the guitar up here, but Gordon was actually my uh, youth pastor. And we were just talking about that a little bit ago. It's been 16 years <laughs> since, I've been in, since I've been in the youth group. But um, Gordon led me to the Lord. And you think, like, it's going to be at camp? No, it wasn't at camp. No, it wasn't. It wasn't a church building. It was actually in his old black Ford Explorer. And uh, it was a Super Bowl party, after a Super Bowl, Super Bowl party, and guess where it was? It was at actually Pastor Greg's house. It was one of the few ones we did over there off Opal Road. And uh, Gordon drove me home in my driveway. He asked me, he said, Sam, if you're in the youth group, your, your family comes here, but if you died, would you know? In that moment, I couldn't speak. So we settled it in my parents' driveway. Yeah, what a journey. <laughs> summer camp, I know your teens just got back from summer camp not too long ago. Parents, summer camp's important. If you don't think summer camp's important, you go to summer camp for a day. You see what's going on there. God moves at summer camp. God called me to full-time service at summer camp. This is the first part, okay? I promise I won't be emotional through the whole thing. But, uh, you know, after summer camp, I went to Liberty, uh, graduated from there, 2013, and uh, I've been 10 years in Chesterfield now. It's hard to believe. That's hard to believe. But God has been faithful to me. And you know what? God's been faithful to this church. Um, I can see God being faithful in the past. I can see God being faithful right now in the present. And I know God's going to continue to be faithful if we are faithful to him. That's great to know, isn't it? Man, God's presence can be seen all throughout our life if we're running the race with him. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you all this morning about is keeping God's presence in the present. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. So if you want to turn your Bibles there, Hebrews chapter 12, my, uh, another pastor friend of mine, he told me, he said, you know, be careful thanking people. Be careful thanking people because you'll always forget to a certain names. 
and you, you'll leave people out. Trust me. There are so many names I could go through down the role of Battlefield Baptist Church, of the people that have had an influence on in my life. I see my old Sunday school teachers out here from when I was like four or five years old, still being faithful to God's, God's church, still being faithful to God, and what a blessing that is, Pastor Greg. But we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12, and let's go to the Lord in prayer, then we will jump into the text today. God, we are so thankful. We are so thankful that you are worthy, God, because we were so unworthy. But you have made us worthy, God. You have called us out of unholiness to holiness. Thank you for the time of worship we have already had this morning through, through music and through song, God. We praise your name. And now as we enter into this time of worship, Lord, let us be ready to receive what you have for us this morning through your scripture. And we ask all this in your holy son's name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12, it, it, the little boy, amen in here, that's my son, just so you know. He's, he's my biggest encourager back there, so if you hear him, that's, he's doing right, just let him go, he gets on a roll sometimes. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 is where we're going to be, and it's funny that you said that, Pastor Greg, that you're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11 next week, because we're going to hit on that a little bit too, so I hope I don't pull the rug out from under you, I don't think I will, but... I just, I really love this text, and I really love these first three verses here in Hebrews chapter 12, because, man, it, you just see just the, the race that is set before us. So let's read this together, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, it says, Wherefore, seeing we are also encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God, of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. In today's text, we're going to see three things that we have to keep doing in order to run the race that is set before us. Three things that you and I must continue to do. And we're going to see a past, we're going to see a present, and we're going to see a future in God today. And the first thing that I want us to keep remembering is to keep remembering the people, promises, and provisions of the past. Keep remembering the people, the promises, and the provisions of the past. Where does that come from? It comes from verse number one. It says, wherefore seeing we are also uh, encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. I want to pause there. I know your pastors probably said this before, but any time you see the word wherefore or therefore, you always want to look back in Scripture to see what it is there for, okay? And so we're going to do that in a second. But um, that word encompassed here, that word compassed, it means encircled. It means surrounded by. So who are we surrounded by? Well, it says a great cloud of witnesses, you and I are surrounded by example after example of people that have been faithful followers of Jesus. And you and I have those in our lives. Everybody has that different circle that they can look to and look back on and see what God has done through people in your life to help you remain faithful, to help you be motivated. In Hebrews chapter 11, we see names like Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and the list continues 
of faithful followers that decided to follow Christ at all costs. We can look back at their past examples. We can see the good, and we can also see the bad. We can see times where maybe they weren't faithful. And we can look back in our lives right now, and we, can, we know times where we have been faithful to God, and God has done such amazing things. And we, we see times where, you know what, maybe we haven't been faithful to God, but you know something crazy? Even in those times where we have not been faithful to God, guess what? He still remains faithful to you and I. He still remains faithful to his followers, and we think that's crazy because I know we like to play the God game sometimes, don't we? Well, if I was God, well, if I was God, I would do this. Well, if I was God, I would do that. Aren't you glad that God is God? Aren't you glad that he is faithful? Aren't you glad that he is giving us motivation after motivation to continue to follow in, in spite of when we fall short? God gives us motivation through the people. I said I could stand up here and I could tell you person after person in my own life that I have seen be faithful, that has encouraged me, that has motivated me to continue on. We can see the people, and we must remember the people to stay motivated. We've been compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. You know, the other thing that we see here is we see God's promises we can look back and see the promises of God. Not just His people, but His promises. And guess what? There has never been a promise that God has made that has not come to pass. There has never been a, a promise where God has made that He's walked back on. There's never been a promise that God has made where He said, well, maybe I can't really do that. There has never been that kind of promise. God promises us strength in Isaiah chapter 40. In verse 29, he gives us power. He gives us power to who? To the faint, to the ones that are tired, to the ones that are weary. And to them that have no might, what does he do? He increases their strength. Are you tired today? You're like, yeah, I just came back from vacation. Of course I'm tired. I got kids. Of course I'm tired. Right? We've got a, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. I'll tell you what, I'm tired. Right? I, I mean, they, they just run circles around us sometimes. But I can look back to Isaiah chapter 40, and I can see in verse 29, you know what? God gives me strength, and God gives me might. He increases my strength. Right? Why? That I might be the example to them so that when they look back in their lives, they see a godly father. They see a faithful mother that encouraged them to keep walking with the Lord. I have had that in my life. There's so many that don't have that in their life. God has brought them from a different route. But you know what? To those of you out there today that have had faithful parents bringing you to church, dragging you to church at times, be thankful for them. Be thankful for them, for those faithful people, for that faithful promise that God gives us strength. We know in uh, Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, is another great promise. He says, Have I not commanded thee to be strong and of good courage? Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee wherever thou goest. Wherever thou goest, God is with us, followers of Jesus today. Look back on the promises of God. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 gives us a promise of direction. You ever feel like you just lost out there? You ever feel like you don't know which way to go? 
You ever feel like, like the GPS to God, just, it's like it's out of service, it's out of signal, and you just got no idea where you're going, right? I was, uh, I was out in the woods the other day. Uh, we were looking at some property, and I was out there, and I'm trying to figure out where the property lines are, but you know what? My, my, my phone didn't have service, right? And so I'm just like, I'm kind of lost out there, right? But listen, aren't you glad that the signal from God is never lost once we, we buy into that? Once we put our faith in Jesus, we never lose service with the Lord. He is constant. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, it gives us that promise of direction. It says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And what's he going to do? He's going to direct your path. He's going to give you the way to go. He says, listen, follow me. Follow me. It, for Israel in the desert, they got the pillar of smoke. They got the fire. And you and I, it's like, well, we don't have a pillar of smoke. But you know what we do have? We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us 24-7 that says, listen to me, and I will direct you where you shall go. we got to trust. we got to trust him. He promises direction. Romans chapter 8, the whole chapter gives us a promise of protection. Listen, if you're, if you're here today... If you're here today and you, you, you struggle with, Lord, Lord, I don't know if I'm saved, like I made a decision, but I don't, I don't know if I have eternal life. Can I lose it? Have I, have I walked too far from you? Go read Romans chapter 8. God puts you in his hand, then he wraps you, then he seals you, and he says, nothing's getting to you. Nothing's getting to you. The whole end of the chapter talks about how there's no principality, there's no wickedness, there's no spiritual darkness that could ever pluck you from the Father's hand. That's a promise, church, that we can, we can know today. 2 Chronicles 7.14, I know I'm giving you a lot of verses, but man, it's, just, it's right here in Scripture and we need to go to it. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 it gives us a promise of forgiveness and healing. What does it say? It says, if my people, whose people? God's people. If God's people who are called by his name. You know, what that, you know what that makes you? That makes you a child of God. That makes you a child of God. You know who your father is? God. Isn't that amazing? You have a father in the Lord. But he says, listen, if you shall humble yourselves. You know what the biggest distraction, you know what the biggest distraction away from God is? It's me. It's you. It's our pride. Pride is the downfall of man. That's why in order for us to seek healing and forgiveness, the first thing that we must do is be humble. They have to humble themselves. They have to realize, you know what? You know what hum uh, humility is? It's not thinking less of myself. It's thinking of myself less. It's thinking of myself less, okay? It's not thinking less of myself, but it's thinking of myself less. It's putting God first. If I humble myself, and what's the next thing I do? I pray. Listen, there's nothing that you do in life. If you're going to fail, it's probably going to be to the fact that you didn't pray. Yeah. Failure comes through not praying. God has directed us to pray. He says, humble yourselves, pray, and then what? Seek my face. Not just pray once. Not just continue to pray. You know, the scripture even tells us in Isaiah that, that we're to bother God. He says, listen, 24-7, I want you crying out to me. I've appointed people to cry out to me. God says, listen, I want you to seek my face. And here's another thing that we have to do. We've got to turn from the wicked ways. We've got to repent. Listen, we've got to get rid of the sin that so doth easily beset us that we're going to talk about in a little bit. 
there's wicked ways that we have to turn away from, then what's going to happen? I'm going to hear from heaven. What a promise. And if we humble ourselves, pray, seek God's face, turn from our wicked ways, that, he, that we will hear from heaven, that he's going to forgive our sins, that he's going to heal us, that he's going to heal our lands. That's a promise today of forgiveness and healing. We can look to the past and we can see promises and, and we can see people that God has just put there. And then we can also see provision where God has kept us. And sometimes we don't see the provision too clearly because sometimes we're so wrapped up in it and we say, you know what, God, like, I don't see you doing anything in my life. And what we fail to understand is where we are is because God has brought us there. We're looking for provision to be some grand gesture, right? We're looking for like, if I throw a stick on the ground, it turns into a snake provision, right? That's what we're looking for. But sometimes that's not the provision God offers. Sometimes the provision is you woke up this morning. You got another day. You got a breath in your lungs. You were able to come here this morning. If you don't think that's provision from God, I guarantee you, try somebody that didn't wake up this morning. Happens every day. Happens since we've been here, right? God has given us provision. The really amazing thing in Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, it gives us one of the coolest things that we can do to kind of set a reminder for what God has done for us. And I want to read to you these verses. It came to pass when all the people were clean passed over Jordan that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe, a man, and command ye them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of the Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, Twelve stones, and ye shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge in this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan. Take ye up every man you a stone upon his shoulder, according to unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel." That this may be a sign among you that when your children, this is important, this is one of the most important verses right here, that when your children ask their fathers in the time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant in the Lord. And when it passed over Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. What an amazing reminder! They went down after this incredible, this wasn't just, we, we think of like the, the water splitting. We always, our minds always go to the Red Sea, but that's not the only time that God does this for Israel. And we think right here as they cross the Jordan, when this water goes up and they're able to walk across and it says stand firm, you know what that reminds me? That it wasn't mud that they were standing on, it was a firm foundation that God put there. Everything he does was for a reason, but what are they supposed to do after? When they get across, he says, send some guys back, get some river rocks, carve in those babies, put them up in the lodging place where people are going to see them, and let them be an example of what God has provided for the children of Israel. Listen, we got to look to the past, and we got to see that God is providing for us each day. Maybe we need to go pick up some river rocks, and we need to go put them down our sidewalk with important dates on them. Maybe it's the day we got saved. Maybe it's the day we got married. Maybe whatever the day is where God has provided, you put them down your sidewalk. So when you come home at night, you're constantly reminded of the provision that God has brought into your life. You're constantly reminded of what God has done for you. 
We got to look to the past. We got to see the stones of provision. We got to see the people. We got to see the promises. And you know what? It's great to look to the past. But you know what we can't do? We can't live there. We can't live there. You can look to the past. That's great. Man, God's done some wonderful things. And you know what? I come up here today and I say, man, that's great. God's done some wonderful things. But I can't live in the past. I got to keep walking with the Lord. Because you know what happens when we live in the past? Christians become statues and churches become museums. We're immovable in the wrong way. We've grown roots, right? We sit down in our chairs or our pews and we say, ooh, this is exactly how I left it last week for the last 18 years, right? We become immovable. We start growing roots. And what happens? We start living more in the past and not relying on the promises that God has for us in the present. Man, churches become museums. It happens every day. Every week, churches close. They're pretty to look at, but they're full of dead. There's nothing being done for God. We can get stuck saying, I wish it were the old days, right? Don't we say that a lot? Man, I miss the old days. You know why the old days are so good? Because you were doing what God told you to do back then. And if you're not doing what God told you to do in the present, there ain't going to be any good old days. We love to look back on the good old days. And you know what? How many of you have ever been to a, like a high school reunion before? Anybody in here? They don't want to raise their hands, Pastor. They're like, I'm not that old. Yeah. Um, well, I know just from, for myself, I've been out of high school for 16 years. And some of you look a little bit older than me. So I know it's been a while for you, okay? And wouldn't it be weird if like you go into your high school reunion, you're still trying to fit in that old varsity jacket, right? The buttons are popping at the seams, right? And you're trying to live up the old days. And you're trying to, you know, you remember that play that one time. And everybody's like, dude, that was like 25 years ago. And you're just like, yeah, but wasn't it awesome? Right? And I think sometimes we do the same thing with God. It's like, God, you remember when you did that thing 15 years ago? Wasn't that awesome? God's like, yeah, that was awesome, but I need you to keep going now. I need you to keep running now. I need you to keep walking with me now. Because if you're so dependent on the old days, trust me, that's it. And we might as well just shut these doors, Pastor. If we're just going to live in the old days, we might as well just shut these doors and just say, man, it was good while it lasted. And believe me, there's churches doing that today. Don't be that church. Be a church that wants to walk with the, with the Lord in the present. Man, it's so easy to relive those glory days, isn't it? It'd be so easy for me to come up here, but it'd be weird for me to come up here in a suit that I, I wore when I was nine. Right? Like, man, I love this suit, right? Knees all ripped out of them from playing football on the side over here. Right? It, it just... God's not looking for that. He's looking for you to walk with him right now. He says, you can look back, but don't live there. So how do we do this? Well, it brings me to number two. It brings me to, we got to keep running. We got to keep running with God in the present. We got to keep running with God in the present. Look at the second part of uh, verse number one there. It says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. If I can encourage you, church, today, and I want this message to be, message to be encouraging, if I can encourage you today, keep running. Yeah. Keep running 
with the Lord. Is it hard? Of course it is. Have there been times where I've struggled? Of course there has. And sometimes it seems like there's more struggles than there is just like great moments, right? And it just seems to be more valleys for some reason than there does to be, uh, to be mountains. But you know what? We appreciate the mountains more when we can walk through the valleys with God. Let us lay aside every weight. It's fine to look back, but we got to live in the race right now. Here's three things that we must do. It says, lay aside every weight. You know what that says? It's different. It's not, notice in this verse, it says, lay aside every weight, and then it also says, lay aside the sin. Notice, those two things are different, okay? The Bible says, let us lay aside the weight. Our baseline question usually as Christians is, is it a sin or not? Listen, that's, that's like the base question that you ask. Is it a sin or not? The real question that you and I should be uh, asking is, how is it going to make me run? How is it going to make me be more like Christ? Is it going to weigh me down from being more like Jesus, from producing more fruit, from being loving, from being uh, gracious, from being uh, patient? Which ooh. We don't like to pray for patience, do we? Right? I've even heard from some pastors, you're like, no, don't pray for patience. The Lord's going to do something. No, I'm going to pray for patience. You know, and even if God has to put me into that point where, you know what, I've got to be patient. Listen, I told you, I got a two-year-old and a four-year-old. Like, God is working on me for some patience right now, okay? But there's not a moment where I'm not going to pray for that because I'm told I need to be more like Jesus every day. That means I need to pray for the things that... I know that I'm bad at, right? Don't talk to my wife because she's going to tell you I'm probably the most patient person she's ever met. (laughs) She she looked around. She's like, you're lying. (laughs) Yeah, and I struggled there. I struggled there. But you know what? I'm not going to stop praying it because I need to do more of it. I I got to start laying aside the weights, we got to be thinking, is this going to help me run the race? Will this weight get in the way of me being more like Jesus? If it is, got to lay it aside. Yeah. And this isn't good or bad. This is what's best from what's good. Yeah. That's the decision that you and I have to make. It's not about, oh, this is a sin or, oh, this is bad. Or, uh, the Holy Spirit has put that in us to know that. But he's also put it in us to know what's good and what's best. And we need to be choosing what is best. How can I be more holy? We now have to ask, am I settling for what's good over what's best? So when we lay aside every weight, number two, we lay aside the sin. Okay, now we've laid aside, we're laying aside those weights. We're laying aside those things that are weighing us down as runners with Jesus. And now we're, gonna, we're also laying aside the sin, but notice what, what sin it is. It's the sin that so doth easily beset us. It's the sin that always seems to be the one that puts us off course. It's not the one that, listen, it's easy for us to pray about the sins that we don't struggle with, right? It's also easier for us to look at people that struggle with those sins and like, oh my goodness, you call yourself a Christian? Well, look what you're doing. Why? Because we don't struggle with that, so it's easy for us. But what if we had like a whiteboard up here? What if Pastor Greg brought a whiteboard up here one day and God just gave him just a one hour of omniscience to, and he said, you know what, Greg, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down every sin that people are struggling with in your congregation right now. And we started to start, he just started writing them down on the whiteboard. There'd be some uncomfortable people in here. 
right? It'd be uncomfortable because this is the sin that so doth easily beset us. It knocks us off course. We think, you know, we wake up in the morning and we're just like, man, I'm going to do it today for God. I'm going to run the race. I'm going to be faithful. God has just got me locked in. And then we take that first step out of bed, right? And then we step on a Lego, okay? And it's just like, and then our whole day's off, right? Like, well, I guess there's tomorrow, right? Like that, that's somehow, that's sometimes what we do. It's like we pray so hard when we're in that bed and then we get up and get to the coffee pot, right? And the first thing, instead of going to God's word or going to God in prayer, what, what do we do? We take out our phones, right? We're either on social media or we even go to the news and listen. I will be the one to be like, throw that junk away, okay? Stay away from that. Stay away from that. Get to God's word because that's going to be the only way that, that when that sin pops up that so does easily beset you, that's going to be the only way that you run from it. You stand firm in God's word. Amen. You stand firm in, in the prayer and, and in the lifeline that God offers you. So we've got to lay aside that sin. And then the next part of that verse, it says, let us run with patience. Oh, there it is again. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. In your race, in your race with God, there's still going to be times of struggle. There's going to be times of trial. And we have to remember this, church, and I want you to look at me today. Remember this, because I, every person in here, if you're not going through something right now, you're going to go through something soon. It's not meaningless. God is not sitting in heaven today. He's not up there saying, whoo, it's not that lively up here today, kind of boring. You know what? Travis needs a trial. Let's throw something in his life. Now, you know, it's just, just, what do you guys, you got, yeah, let's do that, right? Like, God doesn't do that. He doesn't do meaningless things. Everything God does is for a purpose. Everything. And here's the thing. When we can understand that those trials aren't meaningless, we need to also understand that he is trying to show us something. He's trying to make us more like him. He's trying to draw us to him. He's trying to help us make decisions for him. It doesn't matter if it's criticism that you're receiving or cancer. God can work in it, and he will lead you through it. Amen. I mean, come on, church. How many times have you seen God work in your life in the small and the big if we're able to be more like Jesus it prepares us to face these challenges it keeps us running in the present so how do we stay patient how do we stay holy and humble in these times of struggle and how do we endure well that brings us to point number three point number three it says uh, keep looking towards our hope in Jesus you want to you want to run the race the right way? Stop looking at yourself and start looking to Jesus. Verse number two, looking unto Jesus, the author, not only the author, not only the writer of your faith, not only the one that before the world began, before the foundations of the world began, that he adopted you. Not, not just the author, right? He wasn't, do you know that like when Adam and Eve sinned, God was not in heaven being like, what? I did not see that coming, right? Like God didn't do that, okay? He wasn't up in heaven like pulling the emergency cord and be like, get the angels together. We got to figure this out, right? That's not what he did. 
before the foundations of the world were laid, he knew what was going to happen. And he made a plan for you and I. And not only did he make the plan, because not only is he the author, what is he? He's the finisher. He's the finisher of our faith. He knew that it was only going to be by him that you and I would be saved. So he's the author and the finisher, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God. You know what it tells me? When he sits down, it's finished. It's finished. You know what that means? That means when the devil comes into the courtroom to accuse one of God's followers, he says, go away. This has already been dealt with. This price has already been paid. This follower is mine. You're not pulling him from me. We have to realize that he has finished it for us. He is our hope. When we set our eyes on Jesus, you know what we do? We take our eyes off the struggle. We take our eyes off the struggle. We, we go from this why me mentality to how Lord. Instead of why me? Why is this happening to me? Why God does it always seem like good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people? Why God do I struggle with this? Why God is this going on in my life? Why me? Why me? Why me? And instead of having that attitude, when we keep our eyes on God he, and then keep our eyes on Jesus, we say, Lord, how? How can I be better through this situation? How can I move closer to you through this trial? How will you bring me to you through this? That's the question that you and I need to be asking. We set our eyes on the greatest example of endurance. He endured the cross. You know, the cross, even, it, was, it was more than just a heinous, awful death. It was humiliating. And I know we, we talk about being humiliated in front of people, but imagine the scene as the holy son of God is stripped naked, beaten, beard torn from his face unrecognizable to his own mother. Not to the strangers that just had met him a couple of days before where they were waving their palm branches and saying Hosanna as he entered the town, but to his own mother who had seen him grow. He was unrecognizable to her. Lifted up on the cross so when people walked by, it was like saying, look at this dude. What has he done to deserve something like that? It must have been awful. He's humiliated. He endured the cross. Why? For you. For you. And I don't say you as a collection. I see each and every individual that has accepted the gift gift of uh, Jesus Christ as your Savior for you. For those that have turned their back on Jesus for them. Isn't that crazy to you? That the Bible tells us that, that God wants all to come to repentance. He doesn't pick and choose. We pick and choose whether we're going to follow God or not. But God has endured. Jesus endured the cross for you and I. He dealt with the persecution. All through his ministries from the Pharisees that tried to get him at every turn. He dealt with the pain and the physical and the mental and emotional toil of the cross. He dealt with sadness as he saw his best friend and his friends and family Go to Lazarus' tomb and just think, if you had just been here, Jesus. If you had just been here. He looked out and had compassion on all those that were lost, with like, a, like sheep without a shepherd. Man, you know what that tells me? That my God, he doesn't just sympathize with me. No, 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 my God empathizes. He's been there. He's seen the struggles, and you know what? He's still 
glorified his Father's name. And you and I have the same opportunity every day as we live in the present and we look forward to the hope of Jesus to glorify the name of the Father. That every day we meet the challenges of life and we remember that Jesus went through it and he is with us as, he walk, as we walk through it. And that's why I'm reminded in the book of Acts, right? When the, when the apostles are, uh, go, they go before uh, the Sanhedrin there and they are beaten right, for what they believe in, and then what do they do? They go and they put their tails between their legs and they never talk about Jesus again. No, 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 no. They counted it joy. Why? To be able to even just experience a little bit of what Jesus experienced. They counted it joy. Why? To be able to know that they were able to suffer for Jesus. They knew that in that suffering that God could do incredible things but they were willing to go through it. And church, you and I, we need to be willing to go through it sometimes. We need to get rid of this comfortable mentality of coming in here and we'll just do the least amount of what we can do for the most amount of God we can get out of it. That's how we live life today as American Christians. That's everything we're told. The least amount of work for the most amount of joy. And let me tell you, that's not what my Bible says. It says you're going to go through it. Be ready for that. Jesus kept his eyes on the Father in the present. Today, I I pray that we look to the examples of those that have gone on before us. I pray that as we run the race, that we remember those people, those faithful people in our own lives, those Fred and Francis's, those parents, those friends who are faithful to God and are now standing before the Lord with joy. Our example in Jesus was also a complete race. He sat down at the he sat down at the right hand of the Father. The work was done. And you and I hopefully one day when we get to heaven will hear, "Well done, thy good and faithful servant." Well done, thy good and faithful servant. If I can challenge you today, church, Keep running the race. Keep running the race. I sat over here most of my years at Battlefield. I'm looking at the teens over here, and you're like, who's this old man, right? I know, I'm 34. Uh, And I, I thought the same thing. But I sat there. And, and, and message after message, most of them probably fell on deaf ears. But you know what? We can't write them off. Like, can I just... I get a little upset when I see generations called lost causes or written off or stuff like this. No, they're not a lost cause. They're just lost and we need to reach them. And I don't want to call them the future of the church. If they got a relationship with God, they're the church now. They're here. And I pray that, church, you pour into these young people. That that multi-generational friendship and discipleship begins now. And you start running the race and including the other racers. But I challenge you today. Teens, listen to me right now. Keep running the race. Y'all just went back to school. 
right? It's the worst day ever, okay? Like, you guys just went back to school, and, like, you're now, again, in that battleground. And you're making decisions every day, whether you know it for God or against God, okay? So I challenge you today, keep running your race. Keep running your race. Don't, listen, I don't care what my high school friends think of me. I just want you to know that. Like, I've seen two of them in the last 16 years. Like, you, don't, you just don't see them anymore, okay? They're not the biggest deal. What is a big deal is what God thinks of you. Amen. I challenge you to run that race. Be motivated by what God has done in your life. Remember to look on Him to be your God in the present and keep your eyes on Jesus as the hope of the future. If you're here today and you've not started running that race for the Lord, today is your chance to jump in. Today is your chance to get on your running shoes. But count the costs. Because it's a grueling race. But just know, the Lord is with you. Don't ignore God's calling on your life for salvation. Don't ignore God's calling on your life for service. And don't ignore God's calling on your life for faithfulness. Let Jesus be your hope. Walk with the Lord in the present. Remember the saints, the promises, and the provision of old and run the race that is set before you. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, today we thank you, God, for an amazing opportunity that you give us. An amazing opportunity, Lord, that we can run a race with you. And now, God, as we get ready to open up this altar in prayer. Let us, if we're out here today that don't know you, let us start that race today. If we are out here and we know you, let us just be reinvigorated today to keep going with our hope on you. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for today. And we ask all this in your holy son's name. Amen. Amen, Pastor Brad. Would you stand with us just for a moment as we have a time of imitation? The reminders that we've been given from Scripture today are super, super important. You know, we can look back and see the people, the promises, and the provisions. And I think about what Brother Sam was talking about, getting, getting the stones and maybe writing dates on them of, of significant things that God has done. I don't know about you, but I don't know that there are enough stones in Fauquier County or Prince William County that we could gather for all the things that God does for us. I imagine our homes very quickly would be stacked up and surrounded with stones because even, even, even as he mentioned, the very fact that we're here today breathing upright, able to get into God's Word, able to sing songs of praise, able to to encourage and admonish one another is a miracle that we really don't deserve. And that's what God's grace and God's mercy is all about. You know, His grace gives us what we don't deserve and His mercy withholds what we do deserve. I'm so thankful for both of them. Listen, if you have a need at this time, we're going to begin a song of invitation, but here's what I would encourage you. You know, parents teachers, students. Some have gone back to school already. Some are beginning their school year tomorrow. Some will begin their school year uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, if they're fortunate, they don't have to go back until after Labor Day. That's very rare these days, but uh, uh, it used to be the norm years ago. 
But you know, I think it would be a good idea, moms and dads, to pray with your kids. Teachers, I think it'd be a good idea for you to come and pray for the kids that you're going to be leading or the kids that you are already leading. That God would give you wisdom and clarity as you serve in that capacity. You know, this church has been blessed, as Sam said, for many, many years. And by God's grace, we're going to continue to keep the main thing. The main thing here, we're going to keep telling people about Jesus. Because he, as was read from Scripture, is our author and our finisher. Everything begins with Jesus and everything ends with Jesus. You don't have a relationship without Jesus and his spirit. And you don't run the race without Jesus and his spirit. And so I would encourage you, take up this time. It's a wonderful opportunity we have to gather around God's throne of grace where we can find help and understand his mercy for the days in which we live. We're going to just sing a short song, short time of invitation. We won't make it long. If you're looking for a good church home, you want to come and you feel led by God to join with us here at Battlefield, man, we encourage you to do that. Step out. If you want to come and just make a profession of faith and say, hey, I just want to let everybody know that I trusted Jesus uh, two years ago. Hey, that's awesome. I trusted Jesus last Sunday. That's awesome. Come and let people know. You say, listen, I just want to come. I, I, I need to be baptized. I, I, I need to be baptized. You come. Let people know. Let us celebrate with you what God is doing in your life. And, uh, and I know that he'll continue to bless you. Father, we love you. We thank you for the message that we've heard. I pray now that as we open up this time of invitation that you'll be honored, you'll be glorified by our thoughts, our words, and our actions as we come before your holy throne. And God, as we seek your face, God, help us to come boldly, and we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. God bless you as you come. Amen and amen.